I'm going to be reading from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. This week is on the Divine Ascension. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, we read, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What is this I, when spoken by a master, who has conquered every vestige of ego consciousness? Therein lies the mystery of true scriptural teaching. That I, that is no I, or where there is no I, does it even exist? In what way is it different from the consciousness that animates other human beings. Jesus was not saying, look at me, don't look at other masters. He was saying rather, look at the divine self that is the essence of who you are, your very self. You are that I. No man cometh unto the divine consciousness except by first recognizing his own intrin intrinsic divinity, hidden behind his delusive ego. The Bhagavad Gita, in the fourth chapter, Krishna states to Arjuna, O son of Prita, in whatever way people accept me, in that same way do I appear to them. For all men, in some way, pursue the path to me. Meditate on the divine incarnations. Their lives and the consciousness animating them will be your stairway to the infinite. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om. Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be here with you. And I'm seeing friends from all over the country, from as far away as India. We're just, um, it's wonderful to have you all here with us. We read from Whispers from Eternity. O Lord, thou lone matchless source of all imitated beauty, Spread thy aura of light and joy, or night darken hearts everywhere. Thou greater than the bursting light in my own forehead, as the aurora borealis shoots rays to left and extreme right, throwing sudden iridescent reds, greens, and blues in sky-brightening searchlights, to kiss the sky with lover's newborn fervor, and sends our ethereal mystic flames to leap joyously 
then vanish in the all-swallowing night. So do I see thee within me, radiant with joy. So this morning's topic is, it seems the two sayings are quite dichotomous. And Yogananda came to show the similarities, the parallels of all great religions. And when Jesus said, I am, uh, no one comes to me, to the Father except by me, then you wonder, well, what's he saying? And as Swami explained, he's not talking about the little I. He's not talking about the ego I. And Krishna, when he says much more compassionately, however anyone sees me, then that's how I come to them. And Jesus came at a time when Judaism had started to fall into darkness. Judaism was started with Sanatan Dharma, with Moses. And Moses, through his revelations, had brought this to mankind. But by the time that Jesus came, that time had fallen into rigid thinking. People were unimaginative. They were uncreative with their spiritual lives. They just went with what it is. It was the medieval times. I think that's an interesting word, medieval. And there it is, in the times when, and what is evil? Evil is supreme ignorance. And so people in that time were supremely ignorant. And Yogananda tells us how you, when an avatar comes, he has to do what is appropriate with the times. And he says that if Jesus came now, he would say things very differently. He would uh, use different channels. I mean, back in those times, people would run ahead to say he's coming. And now we have, well, the Internet. We have all the things that we can use now to spread the word. And it goes much further, much faster. And it also was a very dark time. And so he had to bring a lot of energy and magnetism and personality in order to really impress on people what he meant. And so he would say it in a much different way than he would now. I came across a hilarious birthday card not too long ago, and it was, it was if Jesus used Twitter... And there was a a picture of Jesus on the computer, and and he's saying, Wow, this is great. I have 12 followers already. (laughs) And then then on the inside, he's saying, Okay, got to go. Catch you later. I have to meet everyone down at the river. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's like in the times that are needed, then that is how the message is needed to give. But what is Jesus saying? He's talking about the eye. He's talking about the greater eye. He's talking about the frame of consciousness that he's coming from. And that's a cosmic consciousness. It's not the little eye that we have when we think of ourselves. I mean, how do you think of yourself when you say I? What do you have for a picture? You have all those different likes and dislikes, your attachments, your, I am this, I am that, I like to go skiing, I like my new car, I, I um, love people. 
you know, I'm good at this, I'm good at that. You know, all those things that come in and take place of what Christ was saying, that cosmic eye, that eye that included everything. And when he said that, he wasn't talking about, okay, the finite, like we do, but he was talking about that way that God sees everything. Swami Kriyananda wrote an affirmation, and in this affirmation he wrote, May my heart's devotion to thee absorb me so that there is no part in my heart for any other love. What's he talking about when he says that? That there's no place, place rather than part, place in my heart for any other love. Now he's not talking that you can't love other people. In fact, he's talking about that more because he's talking about God's love. He's saying, there's no place in my heart for the little self, the little loves, all those loves that keep us bound, all those loves that that keep us from opening our heart wider, all those attachments and desires, and all that that we keep seeing ourselves as. When you think of yourself, you think of yourself as who you are in this time. Now, if you think of yourself with God's love, then after a while, as Swami is saying in this affirmation, that over time, there's no room in your heart for any other love but the love for God. And as that happens, and as you do that more and more and more, you find, oh yeah, there isn't so much time in my heart and in my thoughts and in my mind to be thinking the petty little things about myself, to be thinking those negative things, to having the negative self-talk, that there's more that the direction that you're going is that open, more cosmic love. And this was a time when Yogananda, of course, when he was saying Jesus would have spoke differently when he came, if he came in this time, Yogananda did speak differently. And he came at a time when he could talk more about that cosmic consciousness. He could describe what samadhi was. He could say that that um, that little self is now becoming the greater self and describe, you know, I, the cosmic sea, watch the little ego floating in me. And from joy I came, in joy I live, in sacred joy I melt. And because people now can understand that. Before, people couldn't understand that. And that's what made it harder for Jesus to give that message. But look how long it's lasted. And look at how it's becoming revived again. And people are starting to understand as we go up in a higher age. But it's very personal. And God is very personal. And that's when in the Gita... Krishna says to Arjuna, however people perceive me, that's the way that I come. And that's a very personal, and he came at a time when people could understand what he was talking about. He came to India. People had that understanding of an avatar. They had that understanding of God. They could 
know the spiritual path is a sequence. And they had a more personal attitude towards God. There's many people who have died and come back and written books these days. And there many times they've talked about how they have seen heaven, how they've seen the divine. Excuse me, the divine, how they have perceived what is happening. And for many people, it's interesting how the um, similarities are there. And you see the similarities according to different states of consciousness. Some people see a very exalted heaven, other people get taken to the dark realms. It's all to do with their consciousness. But the one book that I particularly enjoyed called Proof of Heaven, which other people have spoke about here and there, uh, it was very scientific. There was nothing frou-frou about his view of heaven, really, except for one little little a fairy-type person on the wing of a butterfly. But who the guide that he had was what he called an orb. And this was a very what he said, unspiritual person, but he called that orb Om, which is very interesting. And the Om showed him all around the universe and showed him that the universe is made of love and compassion. And he said, people think that those are just abstract concepts, but they're not. They are the concrete well, as concrete as energy can be, but that's how he put it, a substance of the universe. And that he said it's a mistake for people to think that God is impersonal. For God is very, very personal. In fact, because God made everything, he's part of everything, and he put it in a way that's interesting. He says God is more human than we are. And that's what Yogananda said. That's what Swami said about Yogananda. That Yogananda was more um, human than we are. Because God, in his infinite compassion, knows exactly what we're going through. And he knows that what it feels like to even for a moment have amnesia of knowing the true divinity of God. Now, that can't be more compassionate and we keep separating ourselves. We keep separating ourselves from God and thinking that, well, God doesn't quite understand. Maybe if I pray to him a little bit harder, differently, he might understand. But of course, he understands much more profoundly and intimately than we do what we're going through. And so, as we view God in that way and make God more of a personal reality in our life. That's how we'll see God. Brother Bhaktananda told a story of um, Master, uh, after a long meditation at Christmas, he was doing a class or a service, and he said, will the person who had a vision of Christ please stand up? And an elderly lady who was quite frail uh, stood up, and Yogananda said, please describe what you saw. And she said, well, I don't usually have any kind of visions or anything in meditation, but I was praying to Jesus as a friend to come to me. And in my meditation, I started to see the, the round view of the, the blue field of the spiritual eye. 
and then the golden color around it and the spiritual eye, the Christ consciousness, and the Holy Spirit around it. And she said, and then Christ's eyes started to appear to me. And then his face came out of that blue field. And he looked at me for a while, and then he withdrew. And as she was telling this vision, she was seeing Christ at the back of the room. And he was with others, and he, she was seeing angels. And so Yogananda, knowing what she was seeing, asked her to describe that to everyone too. And she, she told them what she was seeing, and that there were angels there, and and Jesus, and then and two other people. And Yogananda said afterwards, still with the crowd there, um, who were those two other people? And she said, I don't know. I was focusing on Christ. And he said, those two other people were Sri Teshwar and Lahiri Mahashaya. And so God comes to us in very uh, personal ways and the way that we see him. And my friend Paula's mother was dying, and this is many years ago, and she had a very close relationship to Mary. And they were sitting by her bed doing the rosary, and she was starting to go in and out of the other world. And at one point she said, Oh, Mary, there's Mary. Hi, Mary. <laughs> she, was, she was not intimidated. She was just delighted because there was Mary who she had loved all her life. And so God will come to different people in different ways. You know, you see Divine Mother as Kali, or maybe you see, you know, Jesus as your nearest and dearest, or whatever form that will be, God is in everything, and he will personally come to you. And so we need to make God more a part of our life, and since we can't see God in his infinite form, he sent many emissaries to us so that we can relate. He sent us Master. He sent us Swami. He sends us each other. But one day I was feeling very, um, oh, a little bit guilty. I was, I was feeling like I just hadn't put enough energy and time into my spiritual life. I was just caught up in, in the material. I was caught up into it. We'd been moving, and it was moving one household to another, and it had been going on for far too long. And I was feeling like uh, I'm just always concentrating on, on the physical plane and feeling a little bit badly because I hadn't been putting maximum energy into my spiritual life. And I was walking through the foyer of the expanding light here, and I caught sight of Swami's picture. There's a big 16 by 20 photograph of him and um, for a split second I almost avoided his gaze because I was feeling you know like okay I'm just gonna you know keep in my tunnel vision here and but then I stopped and I looked into his eyes and and I was imagining a look of you know that a look that he would get when he brooked no excuses You know, it was no excuses here. And and Swami was all compassionate. And when you're trying your hardest and doing your best, he had all compassion. But if there was any ego in there, then then he he was like steel. And I remember one time I wrote him this 
very good letter of the reasons why I had done something. And he had chastised me for something. And, and I had all these good reasons. And I thought if I told him these reasons, he would understand, right? And he, he just tossed the letter aside and he said, that's just self-justification. And didn't let me off the hook. And so I'm sitting, standing there in front of his picture, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, he's looking a little stern. And, um, and then I said, but I love you. And it didn't seem to change. His, his look was still in his eye. And then I said it again. I said, I love you. And as I said that, I felt my heart start to relax. And I start felt my heart start to open. And um, I said it again. And I was just imagining what he would say. He would say, well, of course I love you too. I mean, it goes without saying. Of course Swami loves me. And just like the devotee who, when Yogananda had chastised him and said, but Master, how can I change without your blessings? And Master said, Well, my blessings are already there. God's blessings are there. It's your blessings that are needed. It's not like God has to do anything or change. It's the devotee who needs to change. And so when, when I said that, I was feeling my heart start to open and my heart starting to, to relax. And I could just imagine Swami then at that point laughing and letting the sternness go because he could see that I had the point. I got the point. The point is not to, to be guilt, feel guilty about something. The point is not to, <clears throat> is to think of the negative. The point is to open your heart. Because if you can't open your heart, you're not going to let that love of God in. And as soon as you do that, your whole life turns around. And you see the positive again. And... We need to keep that in view, that we always have to think of the positive and to view everything that happens to us as God's love for us. Like the little girl who's, who says about her sister, she says, I know my sister loves me because she always gives me her old clothes and then she has to go buy new ones. <laughs> so, and that's her view of the, the world. Let's be like little children that way and really look at the world in a way that uh, is always positive. But um, the other thing with, that I wanted to say is talking about the unity of us all. Because I was looking at the Nayaswami vow, and the third vow <coughs> is one that I think is my favorite, in that it, what it says is that... Um, I am no longer a separate entity, but I offer myself unreservedly into the great ocean of awareness. I am no longer a separate entity, but I offer myself unreservedly into the great ocean of awareness. Now, this vow isn't just for Naya Swamis. Yes, we pay particular attention to it, but it's for all of us, and it's for all of us to share that When we look at this world with unity and we look at it as we are all one with it, that's the most important thing, is looking at life as 
a, a unified effort rather than I am this person, I am that person. How, how often do we put up little guards against each other and put little protective shells on ourselves and, and think that we can't love because we might not be loved or we can't love because that person might think this or that of us. And instead, turning it around and saying, I love just because I love. I love because I expect to be loved. I love because that person is beautiful. It doesn't matter who that person is. There's going to be that beauty inside that part of God's love. And so looking at each other and looking at the world, it's, it's like the, the world of nature is already so unified. There was a man in Africa who, for most of his life, he saved elephants. And he had a big reserve, and, the, and he saved all these elephants when they weren't wanted anymore, when they were hurt, or when they had uh, ailments and things, and, and took them onto this reserve. And he died suddenly of a heart attack. And two days later, after he had a heart attack, all these elephants started showing up. And in all, 31 elephants came. They were led by these two old matriarch elephants. And they stayed for two days, and they didn't eat or drink anything, and then they left. So how did they know? How did they know? I've seen that with the deer around here. I've seen it twice, actually. One time, there was a deer with her side ripped open, and um, she was, it was at the bottom of Roger C. Park Hill, and she had been attacked by dogs, and they had torn her side, and she was probably dying, and ringed around her was a whole ring of deer standing there. They had come to be with her. And another time I remember seeing uh, all these deer and I was wondering why are there so many deer in this area and then I saw a dead deer and they had come to be with. And so the animal kingdom, they are so much more in touch in that way and we can learn from that in that we are all part of the greater, greater uh, cosmic play. And God sees it from his point of view. We're seeing it from ours. Let's start seeing it more from God's point of view. They found that the, um, when they analyzed the sounds that elephants make, because you'd think they didn't make very many sounds except the odd bellow and snort and that kind of thing. But really what they're doing is at a very low, low frequency that we can't hear, they're singing to each other. And the same with the whales. The whales, we've all heard whale sounds, and that what they're doing is singing, and they've found that some of those, those actually rhyme, and that they learn these songs, and that every season they learn new ones. New ones are composed. So it's like there's so much more in this world and so much more happening. And when we're in our own little, little world, it confines us. And instead, let's open that up to the person next to us. Let's open it up to the, every person that comes into your world. And I'll close with something that uh, Ryan Hall said these, when his mother, Patricia Hall, told him that Swami had passed. And he said, I saw Swami as having great kindness and doing things bigger than him. And then Ryan went on to say, I think the best testimony to him would be if we all live with more kindness and do things that are bigger than us. So 
Sometimes maybe when you see somebody, think inside, hello myself, I love you. And let's all be more part of each other's realities in that way. God bless you.